Thank God for this opportunity one more time to be able to share his word. Trusting just like we prayed, our heart will be strong enough to receive what we're going to be sharing tonight. And that God will grant us insight, revelation of his word and of his mind, of intents and purposes for us who are the very church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this 21st century, uh, what I simply call destroying principalities and powers. Destroying principalities and powers. You know, there is this, uh, can I call it common belief or understanding of what principalities and powers are, uh, especially as you take it from Ephesians, as you read it from Colossians, all of that. So I, I want to examine this in the light of the scriptures and see where we ought to be, what, what really stands for and what God is saying when we begin to use the word principalities and powers. I do believe that uh, there are some strongholds, if you will, or some personalities, in fact, to me, that personalities that can have authority over certain territories. I do believe that. It's very important. You can call them principalities. But in the light of what we've already been seeing in, 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 you know, in sermons and teachings, and maybe sometimes you cannot uh, fear that that word carries, I, I want to examine the scriptures and to find out exactly how Paul was using these words and uh, how they truly apply to us. Amen. Okay, um, so we're looking at destroying principalities and powers now. Uh, let me start first of all from the law. Let's begin to understand something from the law in relation to principalities and powers so that you can have uh, a better view or uh, an insight in that which I'm about to share tonight as it relates to this particular subject. Uh, so let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. You know, if you start reading from Exodus 19 down to 20, you saw about God uh, marrying the church in the wilderness. And then uh, we're talking about the ceremony that really kind of uh, brought that to be, the, the marriage ceremony, which is more or less the, the giving of the law. But, well, let's start reading from Exodus 20 verse 18. Exodus 20 verse 18. And the Bible says, and all the people saw the thunderings. Now, so you remember this. The thunderings and the lightnings and, and the noise of the trumpets and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak to, with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you see not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew nigh unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thou shalt thy say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Amen? Okay, now I want you to see the picture. Uh, this is Moses actually receiving the law of Mount Sinai. 
And then there was the thunder and the lightning and all of those things. And the people said, no, we don't want to hear God. Let God talk to us. Amen? I mean, God talked to Moses. And Moses will now do what? Talk to us. I want you to see something here because it's very important in what we are sharing tonight. And so here we'll find that uh, Moses now have to get laws and then they have to have the laws communicated to the people. But the issue I want you to see here precisely is, as we move on, you'll be able to see. Uh, how it happened, how was the Lord delivered to the people. Uh, don't forget, the people said, we don't want to hear you. You talk to Moses, and Moses will talk to us. Amen? Um, but there's something very interesting also I find in this passage. Scripture says, uh, God said, Moses said, you've seen God, or you heard God. Uh, it's like saying you've had fellowship with God. Hallelujah. And uh, So to me, I mean, and, and, and use the word, God have talked with you from where? From heaven. I like that. It means you can hear heaven. Is that okay? You don't have to be absent. You don't have to be locked up. You don't have to be blocked off. You have to come to the place where you can hear heaven. You can hear voices from heaven. Because these people heard from heaven. Hallelujah. Okay. So, that is uh, Exodus 20 and then 18. Now, you go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. So got a picture right, they said, don't talk to us. Remember that? Talk to Moses and let Moses do what? Talk to us. And, and now, Galatians 18, hear what Paul have to say on this. Galatians 3 verse 18. The Bible says, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 19. Wherefore then, sever the law, it was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come. Not that. Till the seed should come. To whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by. This is what I wanted to pick. It was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. Did you get that? The law was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. So, even when God said, when the people said, talk to Moses, let Moses talk to us, it was angels that God used in delivering the law unto Moses. Did you get that? And this is one of the reasons why that is what we call the worship of angels. And that tells you how powerful Angels was in the economy of Israel. If I may use the word. When I use the economy of Israel, I'm talking about the Old Testament. They were highly regarded because the law were delivered to Moses through angels. Are you still there? Let's prove that a little bit. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 37. Stephen speaking says, This is what Moses, this is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall lay here. Now, when did, when did God say this? When did Moses say this? I mean, when did God say this to Moses? Right on the mountain, when the law was to be given. Is that okay? Verse 38. 
This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel who spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our forefathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Amen? Okay. So here we find that angel spake unto Moses as it were. Stephen showed that Moses received the law by the ministry of angels and that he was only a mediator between the angel of God and them. Is that okay? I want you to understand because it's very crucial. When we begin to understand, when we truly come to begin to understand when we talk about principalities and powers. Because this thing has kind of, I don't know, let me not use what mess up the mind of men, but it has been so propagated that every time you read the word principality and powers, your mind goes to demons. Is that okay? But that is not true. Anytime you read, anytime you hear somebody want to talk about principalities and powers, the first thing that hit your mind is demons. And some people take it to the level of saying they're talking about territorial powers, territorial principalities, and all of that and all of that. But let's see how the scripture really defines this. So like we've just begun to see, God delivered the law unto Moses through the ministry of angels. Okay. Now, so we have the word oracle. Oracle there, as we read the book of Acts there, which I translates into that which of a divine revelation. And so when the Bible says Moses received the oracles, talking about the divine revelation of God, was communicated to Moses by the ministry of angels. Amen? So it actually speaks of a communication of, of, from God himself. When you say oracle of God, we are talking about the divine revelations that is communicated by God himself to a people. Amen? Praise the Lord. And in this place, when you talk about the oracle here, in the book of Acts chapter 7, 37, 38, he's talking about the Lord, which is the divine revelation that was given then through the ministry of angels unto Moses in relation to the Old Testament. Is that okay? All right. Now, let's go to Colossians. I want to try to see if I can really get this through. I want to see the destroying principalities and powers. And to me, this is very crucial. Colossians 1, verse 16. Paul writing, talking about Christ, said, By him were all things created. By who? By Christ. That are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominion or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Hallelujah. Right? Okay. Now go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. closer. All right, let's get down to um, Colossians 3. Colossians 3. And we'll look at verse 13. Colossians 3 verse 13. The Bible says, Are ye be dead in your sins and trespass or circumcision of your flesh, have they quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, 
blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What do you find in verse 15? And having, are you following me? Having spoiled, what did he spoil? Principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Amen. What did he spoil on the cross? Principalities and powers. Why did he spoil the principalities and powers? That is what you need to find out. The point is, the principalities and powers, which are the angels, were the people that administer the law. Are you getting that? So now, for him to remove the law, he must also destroy the power of those that gave the law. Which are the principalities and powers. The angels were the people that administered the law. Now the law was against us. Now I want you to look at that very precisely. Again. Um, go back to verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. What are the ordinances? The laws. Amen. Which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now the next thing is, having spoiled. You understand that? Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them. What he's saying is, hey, the powers of the angels, or the power that the angels ministered, have been nailed to his cross. So the angels no longer have power. So when he says he spoiled principalities, it means he took their powers away from them. Because the authority they have, that's why you're going to find much later as we progress. The Bible says, God did not give the word that we are talking about unto angels. Did you understand that? So in other words, another realm of authority. Let's progress a little bit onto that. But what we see here is, he destroyed the principalities and powers. Therefore, the authority of the heart to have dominion, his point, nailing it to his cross. So when he went to the cross, the authority of the, of the principalities and powers was removed. Meaning, even what Moses was administering no longer had power. Because the people that really have the power to administer it was the angels. Are you following this? So for the Lord of Moses to be destroyed, he has to destroy the source. So he took out the power to the cross. I want to show you the power and the effectiveness of the cross of Jesus in your life as a believer. Praise the living God. So he, named, he didn't just name the ordinances, he named the people that administer the ordinances. If you destroy a man that makes a law, the law also goes with it. Amen? Okay. Now look at the next thing. And he said, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore, can you begin to see that? Fine. Let no man therefore judge you in meat 
or you drink, or you respect of a holy day, or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath day. Amen? Did you get this now? Now all these are the things that were supposed to be in the law. Which were given to Moses by the angels. So when he went to the cross and destroyed this thing, he also destroyed the power of the angels that administer it. And I'm going to make you see that even the angels are confused about your salvation. Because the best they know was about the law, not about your salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright, verse number 17 says, Which are a shadow of things to come by the bodies of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worship of angels. Can you see that? Intruding into those things which he have not seen, very puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and hands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why are those living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Amen? What are the ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, eat not, swim not. Amen. Verse 22. Are we, are we together? Alright. Say, which are to perish with the thing, with the using, after the commandment and doctrine of men. Which things have... Indeed, a show of wisdom will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Amen. But I want to read this from the, from the message. Let me read it from the message. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty tradition of human beings and empty superstition of spirit beings. These are the angels. But that is not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in Him so you can see Him clearly. You don't need a telescope, you don't need a microscope or a horoscope to realize the full Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Him. When you come to him, that fullness come together for you. Two, his power extends over everything. Entering into his fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you are already an insider. Not through some secretive initiation, right, but rather through... What Christ already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you are after, you already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a barrier of your whole life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raised you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck on your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant cancelled and nailed to Christ's cross. Old warrant arrest. The ordinances. Is that okay? What the Bible say happened to it? Cancelled. And what happened? Nailed to Christ's cross. 
He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Hallelujah. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants. Who are the spiritual tyrants? The principalities and powers. Who are the principalities and powers? The angels who minister the law unto Moses. He stripped them naked. You see, and what that means is this. It's like somebody goes to war and conquer the enemy. Right? And then he begins to walk through the street like a kind of going through horses and displaying the people he has conquered. Is that okay? So what it really means here is he conquered the angelic world and make a show of them in the street, making the people know that everything they put together against you, I have destroyed. By implication, your power can no longer walk on your life. Hallelujah. Meaning, everything they put together in form of the law can no longer have effect in your life. Hallelujah. Okay, I want you to get that. So don't put up. The next thing he says, so don't put up with anyone pressurizing you in details of diet, worship, services, holidays. All these are mere shadow cards before what was to come. The substance is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrap, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. There are a lot of hot air. That is all they are. They are completely out of touch with the source of light, which is Christ, who put us together in one piece, whose every breath and blood flow through us. Hallelujah. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. Then, if with Christ you put all the pretensions and infinite religion behind you, why do you let someone be bullying you by it? Don't touch, don't taste, don't eat, don't drink, whatever. We can stop there. Find time to read this and you see what I'm talking about. But what I want you to see is, he said, all those tyrants and those laws which were like death warrants. Is that okay? Now, you see, you know what a death warrant means? A death warrant and a search warrant, they are all powerful tools from a government. Is that okay? Right. With that, they can enter into your house and set your house. You can't resist them. And they can bring you out and crucify you. That's a death warrant or a search warrant. It must come from a higher authority. So when the Bible says he destroyed every search warrant that was against you, it means the authority behind the search warrant has also been taken away. Did you get that? And that's what I'm talking about. Destroying principality and powers. So, but essentially what I want you to pick tonight is when the word principality and power is used, don't always ascribe it to mean demons. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Now let me put it this way. If Christ through the cross can strip the angels of God their power, how much less what you call devils? Amen? If the authority given to angels can be destroyed on the cross, 
How much less what you call the devil? You can equate the devil with angels. Am I communicating? Right. But if God granted the authority for that which even angels of God have to be dispossessed, then you have to believe it that the devil have no power over your life. Does he have the power over your life? We give him the power that he has. Amen? Because even angels, and I'm going to make you see that, even angels don't know exactly what is happening in your life. Praise the living God. Amen? Okay. Now let, let's move down to something else. Let me quickly show you. Uh, Ephesians 3 now. Let's go to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. I really want you to catch it because it's very important. And you see what the Bible is saying there? Man wants to make a show of themselves. They want to uh, make you feel something. They want to make you see how angels did it, how angels did that. I strongly believe for sure God uses angels to minister. But what I really want you to pick tonight is the ultimate power that angel had was also the law. Amen? And at that level I'm seeing maybe I'm going to have full time to teach you on that. But I think I've said that sometime either here or when we're at uh, a boy How many of you have read about um, the book of Jude and the Bible talks about the devil was struggling for the body of Moses. Have you heard that before? Have you read that before? Okay, now fine. What body was he struggling for? And I would think the body has to do with Moses died and the, the devils come and they were dragging and India was dragging and then maybe God got up a hand and collected the body. To me, that is stupid. I'm sorry to use the word. Because the point is, you must understand something. God killed Moses by himself and buried Moses by himself. There was no dragging of the body by Moses. How many of you remember that? He killed him by himself and buried him in a mountain by himself. One of the major reasons why that have to be done is, if that had not been done, the very place where Moses is buried will have become a center of pilgrimage and a place of worship. But that is not all. The body of Moses represents the law, which is the church in the wilderness. So what the devil was really struggling for was that the law should not be taken away. It was the physical body of Moses. Amen? Why is it so? First Corinthians 15 explains that. He said, this thing of, of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. So the devil is saying, let the Lord not be done away with. Because the Lord is done away with, sin will be done away with. Did you get that? And so, now understand the frequency. If the devil is saying that, an angel are the people that minister that, the devil was always trying to enjoy what the angels ministered. Does that make sense? Because it was not the devils that instituted the law. It was the angels. Okay, fine. But now they are saying, we don't want the law to go. Why? Because as long as the law is there, sin continues. Praise the living God. But God now say, I'm not only going to destroy the source, I'm also going to destroy even the one that is using 
the source by implication i'm not only going to destroy the power of the angels i'm also going to destroy you who is using what the angels instituted so if god took away the angels god also took away the devils that were using the law can i hear amen to that i want you to get that because it's very important praise the lord so the body of moses is the law and the body of christ is the church which is the new testament uh, have you read that before we are the body of christ the body of christ the people and we are governed by the law of the spirit now the body of moses is a people and they are governed by the carnal law which is the law of moses so what the devil was looking for was the law amen does that make sense all right ephesians 3 Verse number 7. Wherefore, I was made a minister, Paul speaking, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, whom I am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsettable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, we from the beginning of the world have been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto who? The principalities and powers. Can you get that? In heavenly places might be made known by the thought, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, if you read it from the King James, you can get the strength and the power of that statement. So let me read it again from the message. Let me take it from verse 8. And so here I am preaching, writing about things that are way over my head, the inexcedible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out the open and make plain what God created all things, who created all things in the first place, have been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Verse 10. True Christians, listen to this, which is you and I. True Christians like you, like yourselves, gathered in churches. This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Did you get that? So the angels don't even know what your salvation is all about. They don't know the mystery. They don't know the plans of God. Angels don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not belittling angels, but I'm telling you what the scripture says. So that you don't have to be fooled by anything. Let me, let me tell you this. My anger is this. You can't subscribe so much power to the devil when even the angels of God doesn't even know the things that God is doing. Do you understand that? You can't give the devil so much power when angels of God doesn't even know. It takes your life for the angel to see what God is doing. It takes Christians coming together to speak to the heavenly realms for angels to see what God has in mind from the very beginning. They don't know. And somebody will still teach you that there was one archangel, one Lucifer that knows so much about God. But here is what God is saying. And the angel don't even know. 
It takes the church sitting as we are sitting now. Angels are watching to see what are they sitting for. They are amazed about what I'm telling you now. They don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry to say. I'm just being honest. Paul said this is a plan that has been in a secret that no power, not even angels knows. That when we gather together, they behold our worship. So when the word use wisdom in Ephesians, it's not just ordinary wisdom. It's the secrets of God that he kept behind the scene. That no power knows. So if angel doesn't know it, no devil knows about your salvation. Can I hear an amen to that? Praise the living God. No devil knows your salvation, how you're going to be rich tomorrow. I want to tell you today, the devil doesn't know anything about it. Praise the living God. He doesn't know because the angel doesn't even know yet what is happening to you. They don't know. Right from when, listen, the only power they had was the law. But right from when the law was taken away to me, they don't understand anything about salvation. They don't know it. I'm going to give you another scripture. Now, verse 11 says, And this is proceeding along lines, along by God, and then executed in Christ Jesus. Can you get that? Long year plan, long time plan. Okay, and the Bible says, When we trust Him, we are free to say whatever needs to be said, both to go wherever we need to go. Glory to God. I like that. I like that. Hallelujah. Do you see anything there? I read the last one, verse number 12. When we trust in Him, trust in who? In Christ. We are free to say whatever we need to be said. And bold to go wherever we need to go. We are. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. So we find the same thing. The angels are handed down the law. Is that okay? Jesus dispossessed them. And right now they are wondering. Now we can't administer the law anymore. So what is happening to the people? <laughs> Glory to God. God is playing a game on this part. They don't even understand yet. Amen. So they are actually surprised about man. They are surprised about your salvation. They are surprised about how you are growing in the Lord. They are surprised about you becoming as Christ even on this face of the earth. They are amazed about it. What I'm saying is this. See, see what the scripture comes here and said. He that begun this good work in you. What good work? The good work about what? Your salvation shall also do what? Finish it. It's a plan he had from the very beginning. You are not saved by accident. You are saved based on the very predominant will of God. And you are walking according to plan. That's what the Bible says. Everything about your salvation is according to plan. And I want to promise you, you are going to get to your finishing. Because it's not you. It's him. For he who began the good work in you shall also do what? Finish it. Even if you backslide, you're going to come back. Praise the living God. Okay. We're going to take another testimony on that. I call it a testimony. Can we go to the book of... What is this? Uh, let's say First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. 
Let me read from verse 9. Hallelujah. First Peter 1 verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, Peter speaking, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophet had inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that you come unto you? What grace? The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. They prophesied about it. They were wondering, what does that mean? Searching words. And what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. When it testified before the sufferings of Christ and the glory that you follow. What is the suffering? The cross. Unto whom it was revealed. But not unto themselves, but unto us. They, minister, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels, are you there? Desire to do what? To look into. They want to see what is this thing that the prophet talked about. A child shall be born. Government shall be upon his shoulder. Are you getting what I'm talking about? A virgin shall conceive. The prophet said, he said, when is it going to happen? The, the prophet Isaiah was wondering, when is it going to happen? No idea. The Bible said it was not given to them to know when. Now that's why in the book of Galatians 4, the Bible says, when the fullness of time was come, the time was not revealed to the man who made the prophecy. Hallelujah. So, talk about Isaiah, talk about Jeremiah, talk about every... Even Moses didn't know when. Because he did prophesy as well. But he didn't know when. Are you sitting there with me? Glory to God. The Bible said the desire to know. They were searching. And the Bible seems to say the even angels then themselves are peeping to see. How is it going to happen? That man is going to be saved. They don't know anything about your salvation. It's a secret that God kept to himself. Are you sitting there with me? Glory to God. That's what the Bible said. Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. So even when the devil think he played a trick, he was just fooling himself in the garden. Because the provision for salvation was already slain before he played the trick. Come on, are you getting this? So the devil doesn't know anything. Nothing. Praise the living God. That's why it's moving to and fro. Somebody who knows what he's doing should be moving to and fro. It should be settled. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? But the Bible said the devil is moving to and fro. He has no business. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where he's going to. He has no idea what God is doing. A man who knows what he's doing, leave his house and go to a business place. That's a man that has sense. The devil has no sense. <laughs> Glory to God. Are we sitting there? Okay. Okay. I don't know if I can pick this also from the but I like this. Praise the living God. But I would like to show you, I would like to show you where the angels are. You see, Moses represented the angels in the most holy place. Where the Bible said they are peeping to see. Are you getting that? He represented them. They don't know what it is, but they are watching to see what is it that's going on here. Hallelujah. They are ministering spirit, the Bible tells us, sent for to minister under the age of salvation. Can we see where they are people at? Exodus 25. May I like this. Mm. The Bible says, we will trust in him. We can say what we want to say. 
and we can go where we want to go. Hallelujah. I like that. Amen. Exodus 25. Are we together? Look at verse 19. Oh, now God speaking to Moses and he says, I make one cherubim and one end, and another cherubim on the other end. Even of the mercy seed shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat. Are you there with me? With their wings and their faces shall look one to another towards the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubim be. Praise the living God. Now, so you get that? Where is the cherubim? They were shouting the message seat. I, I described that to you the other time. Amen. Okay. So, if this is the message seat, okay, this is the message seat. You have one cherubim here, you have another cherubim here. What do you find here? The glory of God. Where are you supposed to find help in times of need? By the message seat. Can you get what I'm saying here? Okay, now. So, now you walk in from the holy place than to a most holy place where Jesus is ministering and yet they are the one protecting what is giving you your salvation they don't know the Bible said they are peeping to see how this glory is flowing out of the most holy place praise the living God that is what it means when he said they are peeping to see, they are watching to see they want to find out what is happening here you walk in there, you find mercy. You walk in there, you find grace. You walk in there, you find strength. They are just wondering. Are you sitting there with me? <laughs> hey, Jesus made a good show of these people. And, and there's, to me, they don't even know. And that's what the Bible says. They are peeping to see. They are wanting to see. They don't know you are going to become giant in the spirit. They don't know you are going to become so powerful in the spirit. They are wondering. They think they are the only superstars on the heavenlies. But here is God raising another company of superstars. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Who are power in the spirit dimension. And they are just, they are just wondering what is going on. Where do we belong? Now we can speak to them. You are servant but we are sons. Can I hear amen to that? Glory to God. Amen. So now you see. Now what shocked that Moses is this? They expect you to receive by keeping the law. Now you're moving in there and collecting grace. You are no longer walking. They are just wondering. How could these people survive without walking through the law? Are you getting what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh my God. Scripture is wonderful. Yeah? They're just wondering. How? How could these people be surviving? How can they be growing in grace? How can they be receiving all the blessings and they are not keeping any law? But yeah, we are the custodians of the law. Are you getting what I'm talking about? But Jesus displayed the whole thing, make a show of them, triumphing over them, walking. You know, he stripped them naked. I mean, you know what it means to strip somebody naked? I think, <laughs> but we do that here. People, sometimes, people steal and what do you do? You strip them naked in the street. It's a punishment for stealing. I'm sorry. I mean, no, that's not uh, any good. Eh? <laughs> Glory to God. Are we still together? Come on, are we together? No, I like this. You see, when a lot of us, we can see this, something was just walking through my spirit. I, see, I can still feel the same thing. I'm just very happy on my inside looking at this world tonight. Is that okay? I can understand where we belong. I can see. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. 
So that's the message seat. Remember, I want to show you what the message seat is. Hebrews 9, let's look at 3. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden sense and the ark of the covenant of a laid round about gold, wherein was the golden pot, the hard manna, and Aaron's straw that boarded, and the table of show of the covenant. And over it, the cherubims, can you get that? Of glory, overshadowing what? The message of which we cannot now speak particularly. Paul is describing this in this passage. And when he was writing, remember he was writing to the Hebrew people. Amen. He was writing to the Hebrew people. Is that okay? And he was saying, I can't start describing that now. It's like you can't even understand what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Because mind you, you need to understand something what you're reading. So that you can really be able to pick some things. Like when Peter was writing, uh, talking about your salvation and speaking as if uh, it is something that has to be in the future. You need to understand, I have to have time to make you see that. You see, there is what we call the parousia of Christ, the parousia of Christ, and there is what we call the, the coming of Christ. What do you call the parousia, what people call the second coming? Is that okay? Now you need to understand when Jesus came in the flesh, that was more or less what you call the first coming for sacrifice. But the second coming in Hebrews 9, 27, 28, the Bible talked about for salvation. Now, what Peter was writing, that was AD 62. Between AD 62 and AD 64. That Jerusalem have not been brought down. You realize that after Pentecost, there was still the worship in the tabernacle. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? So it means sin have not been taken away. Fully. It has not been taken away fully because as long as the tabernacle was still standing, as long as people were still there worshipping, it means the law was still in place. So for the law to completely go, Jerusalem have to go. Did you get that? And that's what happened in AD 70. So when people write and say the salvation to come, you should understand the context. What salvation is going to come? It's before the fall of Jerusalem. So when Jerusalem fell, the glory was revealed. Salvation came. Can I hear an amen to that? Okay. We find time to deal with all of that. But let's make progress tonight. Hallelujah. Let's make progress tonight. Okay. Uh... I have just read Hebrew 9 for you, is it? Okay, let me look at something now. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Are you there? Now the Bible says, I'm reading verse 5. For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. Wherefore we speak. Did you get that? But one in a certain place testifies saying, when say certain place, is just Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6. David spoke about this. One in a certain place testifies saying, What is man that are mindful of him? Or the son of man that have visited him? That made him a little lower than the angels, that crowned him with glory and honor. And they set him over the work of their hands, that are put all things in subjection under his feet. For him that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. 
But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Can you get that? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God to taste death for who? For every man. Glory to God. The world to come, the Greek word there is very crazy language here, yeah, I can say. Okonume, okonumene, or whatever. Oh, that's, that's the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, he's talking about the world to come have nothing to do with this literal head burning away and another one coming. Is that okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? As at when Jesus was alive, that was a war. Right from when Moses gave the law to when Jesus went to the cross was a war. So when Jesus was saying, if you don't believe in me now or in the age to come or in the world to come, he was just simply referring to that which will happen immediately after the cross down to when Jerusalem will fall. Hallelujah. Nothing to do with the globe burning away. No, 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 no. It's not talking about that. So I want you to catch this. So Paul is writing to the Hebrew people. So what I'm talking to you about now is the age you are stepping into after Jerusalem comes down. It's not going to be under the authority of angels. It's going to be under the authority of man. What authority is he talking about? Because you see, Hebrews, if you start, take time to study Hebrew, he's actually talking about the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Levites. The old and the new. Like Hebrew 7. Like Hebrew 9. He's describing and trying to discriminate between the Levitical priesthood and the priesthood of Melchizedek. Is that okay? And Israel saying that here, one of the things is this. Why is he using Jesus here? Because the Hebrew people will be thinking how powerful angels we are supposed to be. Now, if you say this man is having so much power, we can't even see the glory that Moses exhibited when he went to get the law on him. We cannot see it. Remember when he transfigured, it's only three of them that saw him. How I many of you understand what I'm saying? The Hebrew people didn't see him transfigured. But they saw the glory on Moses. So to them, Moses was more powerful than Jesus. Are you getting that? But Paul is saying, no, 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 you got something wrong. This war that is coming, this man has a government, and his government is going to rule the age that is coming. Not the one that Moses had power over. And angels do not have authority in this age that is coming. Now, how many of you understand that even the wall of Moses, it was angel that had power? Because it was angel that gave the law. Are you following what I'm talking about? So he's not saying the age to come is given to the sons of men, is given to man, not to who? Not to angels. In other words, angels cannot dictate the rule of this new order. Hey, is anybody following what I'm talking about? Glory to God. Are you still there? Praise the living God. So I would like you to see this. Now, what he's trying to make us understand is this. Everything that Jesus was supposed to be, we are already becoming. Amen? Like I said before, the angels were supposed to be ministering spirit. But who are we? Sons of God. Amen? Okay, I would like to read one more scripture. So the angels are simply nothing but what? Messengers. Is that okay? But we be sons. And we're conforming to the image of the firstborn. And the age that we are, which we are now describing, is the age of the sons of God. If you, if you, if you, 
if you don't mind. Because we are his body. Hallelujah. But one scripture and then we we'll go. Look, chapter 21. So, it's bringing you to the age that I'm talking about. And I tried to teach my wife this afternoon. Some of you need to also share that with uh, um, essay yesterday. When you read the Bible, take time, go find good Bibles that have dates of when the books were written. They're going to solve a lot of your problems. Is that okay? Is it because you read things like Philippians? They're going to hear the, the days to come. The days to come. When it comes. And then you think he's talking about future. No, 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 no. Let me read the scripture here. Luke 21. I'm reading from verse 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem come pass about with the armies, who is talking? Jesus. Then know that the desolation thereof is night. Desolation means what? Destruction. Is that okay? Now, Jesus said all of this before he went to the cross. Is that okay? Listen, some of you need to understand that it took only about 40 years before these things were written down after the death of Jesus. So you need to understand the length of time we are describing. Okay. Verse 21. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart, and let not them that are in the countries enter your reign. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. All things which are written may be fulfilled. What are the things that are written? You write it down, and read it later. Daniel chapter 9. Read from verse 24 to 27, if you will, or 28. But specifically, what Jesus was referring to here was 26 and 27 of Daniel. Daniel spoke about the days of desolation, that there will be a flood when the Son of Man is cut off for sins and all of that. That's what he called Daniel chapter 9. So go back and read that. Is that okay? Now Jesus is saying, when this army is come, everything that the prophet wrote shall be what? Fulfilled. Which has to do with the days of desolation. Look at verse number 23. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrought upon this people. Upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's heart filling them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Not in the empty space. I can prove this to you that when the Assyrian was coming to judgment, they were the clouds of glory. Amen? God was sending the Roman army to do what they did. So they represent God, and so he was coming in the cloud of glory. Now, that may confuse you. Let's move on now. I'll share that some other time with you. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up. Look at that. Are you there? For your what? Your redemption drawing nigh. When what is happening? When the destruction is coming, when the Roman soldiers comes into Jerusalem, you look up. It's a time of rejoicing, a time of joy. For your redemption is close by. So it's not a sign of the end of the world. It's not a sign of the rapture. If they tell you somebody is pregnant, they can't run the rapture. What kind of stupid thing is that? We pregnancy prevents somebody from me taking you to heaven. Yeah, the Bible is saying men are pregnant and when destruction is coming to Jerusalem, it will be difficult for pregnant women to run with their children. 
And their pregnancy. And he said, don't run on the Sabbath day because a Jewish man is not supposed to do any exercise on the Sabbath day. So don't let the destruction fall on the day of the Sabbath. And then we'll tell you that I have to do rapture. So if somebody is pregnant, they disqualify from rapture. Then no woman should be pregnant because the day you don't know. Hallelujah. Does it make sense? That's what we believe. That's okay, so now, just look at verse 29. And he spake to them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees. And when, what's that? When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own self that summer is nigh at hand. So likewise, yea, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God, this world, is at hand. Did you get that? <laughs> and then the next thing he said, Very, very I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be what? Be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Praise the living God. Did you get that? He said, when you see this thing come to pass, just know that what? The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? When you see Jerusalem being destroyed and the temple being destroyed, the Lord being removed, a new order is coming into place. That's why he said rejoice. So when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, the full realization didn't come into place until the temple was what? Well destroyed. Hallelujah. And as long as the temple was destroyed, the angels have no power anymore. And the Bible says the new age, the kingdom we're talking about, is not going to be placed under which people? Under angels. It's placed under Christ, placed under his son, because the government shall be where? Upon his shoulder. Not on angels. That's why the Lord that rules you today is the Lord of Christ and not the Lord of Moses. Because if you walk by the Lord of Moses, it means you are walking by the law of what? Of the angels. Because the angels gave the law. Praise the living God. And let me say this. When the Bible says heaven and earth pass away, you need to have an understanding. The Jewish people believe the temple represents heaven and earth. You need to understand that. So, when Jesus said heaven and earth shall pass away, it means the temple shall be thrown down. But my words will stay forever. The law is going with the temple, which is heaven and earth. Can I hear the man to that? Man, I'm taking diligent study on this thing because see, everything about righteousness, everything about the grace is ministering greater depth of understanding to me. Things I've never known before are just coming up every day since I begin to plug into this thing that God is saying. So heaven and earth is passing away? Sure. That was the temple that was going away. The laws were going away. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, you're going to find the same thing. Say, hear O heaven, hear O earth. How can God be speaking to heaven and earth? What he's saying, he is speaking to the Levitical tribe who are ministering the law in the temple. And that's why I say, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words, which is the lively oracle of God, shall not pass away. But the law shall pass away. Because the angels have been done away with. Come on, stand up and give thanks to the Father. Let's just give thanks to Him. Let's just give thanks to Him. He's a living God. He's a lively God. He's given us a new order and a new season. We are in the place of authority and the place of dominion. Because it's a new day. It's a new world. It's a new earth and heaven that we're living in.